You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, coming to you live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, which I've been meaning to work into the opening role. And for whatever reason, it just always kind of sits at the last point. It really shouldn't because this is this is our home. This is where we like to be. Thank you to the live audience and thank you for listening on the podcast format. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Wherever you get podcasts, where you probably found this and listening on the podcast format. I don't need to repeat myself on that. But I will anyway. Guess what? We got preseason to talk about. That's right. Lions played an football, actual football. 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 Pounding the table. I have a, a ritual I do with um, my friend Anthony Gargano on the weekends on the radio where we just go football, 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 football. We just kind of mumble, like chant that at each other. We're fiends for it. And the fiend that I am is Christopher Fett, the adequate host of the POD cast at Christopher Fett on Twitter. <clears throat> Joining me, that other voice chanting football is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Fearless leader. Hello. I am so happy to be here. I'm I'm so happy that I got to spend all weekend watching football and watching football. replays of football and watching 90 men play football on the Lions and and forgetting what each number was and going through it all obsessively. I missed that. It's a it's it's scratching an itch and uh I'm I'm ready to talk about it all. We're scratching plenty of itches. I watched a lot more than just the Lions on the weekend. I was just so thirsty for it. I ended up falling down a rabbit hole and watching the Steelers which uh was See, I'm, I'm not, I'm not thirsty enough to be watching Mitchell Trubisky preseason. I, I, I wasn't That's watching that. I was watching Geno Smith and Kenny Pickett. Fair enough. Geno Smith, by the way, closing in on a, a decade in the league. I don't think I would have ever thought that was possible. <laughs> some, some guys, man. But let's 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 reel it back to the Lions because yes, we do have the preseason game to break down. There is plenty to talk about on this, and some guys who are. Uh, some people who are reacting in very interesting ways to this game, but we'll try to break it all down on the biggest storylines from this game. But I think right out of the gate, Jeremy, I could tell this was going to be a day that Twitter was going to blow up because the first team offense was out there. We got news before the game that Arthur Smith and Dan Campbell, Arthur Smith, the head coach, the Falcons had met, they discussed it and they were going to play their both their starting offenses and defenses for the first quarter. And we had what two drives that ate up basically the uh, the, the Falcons drive was pretty long. It was almost ten minutes long, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about them in a second and what happened when the Lions played defense. But true to form, both of them played one quarter and it was exactly one drive each. And I could tell that uh, this was going to be an interesting game as soon as first drive, only drive for the first team offense comes out and marches right down the field. 
gashing uh i think on the local broadcast with uh uh gout brandon gout yes i almost butchered his name again and devin gardner were talking about hey this uh you know defensive line for the falcons is pretty good and then the lions started to uh just immediately have their way with them and it was every part of the offense that was getting involved it was the offensive line basically establishing dominance the first time we've really seen the five starting members the offensive line together the way they have been in a football game uh deandre swift uh Amon Ross St. Brown, everyone got involved, Jeremy. Everyone got involved in the first team defense. Jared Goff looked fine. He looked good. And uh, yeah, the Kool-Aid immediately started flowing from everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was a release, right? Like we saw how last year ended. We saw all the reports coming out of training camp. I saw it with my own eyes. Like it seemed like the offense was turning a corner, but it, but we still needed to see like hard proof and not that one drive in the preseason is yeah, hard proof. Yeah, but at this point, we're so we're so starved to actually see it happen we're against thirsty. someone that because rightfully questions started to emerge, started to bubble up during training camp. Like, is this is this just them going against the Lions defense? And they came out and listen, this isn't going to be a stellar Falcons defense. I don't want to come out here and say, like, wow, that was that was a top 10 defense the Lions did that against. It's, it's Falcons are gonna be that good. But oh, it yeah. it confirmed a lot of things that we were hoping. It confirmed that this offensive line could be a monster because all of them, literally all five of them, were just driving people backwards. It it confirmed that Jared Goff is is feeling it right now. He threw a couple downfield shots. Uh, that that kind of touch pass he threw to Amon Ra for about twenty yards to get him first and goal was beautiful. Basically went four for four. I know he went three for four, but the the one that he didn't complete was a drop pass. That was right where it needed to be to uh, to Jamal Williams. And then, yeah, Swift out there makes a play. He scores a nine-yard touchdown. That's He did a lot of the heavy lifting for. So I don't know how you could have expected more out of that first drive. And I think, like, the the cherry on the top there is, like, we didn't even unleash DJ Chark. We didn't even unleash was, yeah, Josh he, Reynolds. He wasn't, he wasn't part of that. He wasn't part of that. Reynolds wasn't part of it. It was Amon Ra making two of those very big catches. So TJ Hawkinson uh, didn't even play in this game. So like three of the Lions' biggest offensive weapons accounted for zero yards on what was one of the more perfect drives I've seen out of this Lions offense in a really long time. I think the big story from it was a, you you mentioned Jared Goff. He does have a bit. He did have, he he, he's, he's better with his average. He was close to about 12 yards average on those three. That's huge. Uh, yeah, that's, that's almost double what he averaged last think, year. But I think the big thing is just again finally getting the five stars of the offensive line between Jackson, yep. Vitai, Ragnow, Decker, and Sewell all playing together, and it's exactly what I think we kind of wanted to see. They established the run very well. DeAndre Swift ate very well for twenty yards on four carries, uh, and yeah, no, they they marched down the field. It looked good. It looked uh, it looked refreshing, and I liked. I've, I've become a, I've become, it's fascinating. Like, I feel like we kind of go through cycles in the NFL, but I was not expecting the cycle to go back towards it, It's like with the Kyle Shanahan offense, right? Like this should be caveman football. If you think about it of going strong offensive line, strong running game, but it works. It's trendy. And it's what's in vogue in the NFL besides the Sean McVay offense. And the lions are practicing it. They've wanted to establish dominance on the trenches, this is the style of football Dan Campbell wants to play to beat you, to punch you in the nose, drown you, uh, bury you in the shallows or the deep waters to uh, be the freight train coming your way. And but it, 
it was he did also it. like he did it, it for was a drive. A good mixture of both, right? Like it was a 75 yard drive. They threw for 47 yards. So like yeah. more than half was through the air still. And and it, I, I think what you really saw was the play action, right? The play action, the play action, play action. Everything that we've been saying, Jared Goff is going back to the play also action. Also very trendy so in the new successful. NFL offenses, sure. yes. Well, yeah. It was what it was also what he was so successful at in Los Angeles. And so we saw kind of that influence on the offense. And yeah, I, I don't I don't really know what else to say. Like it was only a 10 play drive, but they really they had one bad play, and it was the very first one where, where Swift got bottled up for one or zero yards, and then everything else was a win. Every other play. I guess, except for the Jamal Lynn shot, dub. was a win. Just dub, dub, yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens. What, what I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I don't know right now. Is is game two technically the dress rehearsal game now, or is it game three? I, I, I don't think that has been settled across the okay. NFL. I think, I think everyone's still, still feeling out figured. this three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope they, I mean, I like that they communicate with Arthur Smith and they both right. kind of agree right. with it. And by the way, neither of these teams game planned for each other until like Thursday. And we'll talk. I think that's that that's key one for the next topic we're going to talk about. But uh, I, I found that fascinating too. I feel like yeah, we're gonna have to all learn as we go. And there's so gonna be that, a lot of communicating next week with Indy since since they have the joint practices, right? Yeah, they and have that, the joint that might practices. Change the way they approach the the game, but we'll get into we, that in a little bit. We also talked, I think, on one of the podcasts about how they might let, play more. You'll see more out of the joint practices too because they can control the whistle, right? Um, a little bit more. So like they're they're more likely to play more of their starters especially on quarterbacks. Cause you can like, if a guy's about to get hit, you can blow the whistle and be like, let's, let's not have him get hit. Right. Like, okay. You got us. You, you got, you got credit with the sack. Cool. Um, so that's the good news out of the way. Then the, then the defense comes out and play plays immediately after all the Kool-Aid starts flowing after Mina Kimes is posting pictures of chimps drinking Powerade and everything. <laughs> um, so uh, the first team defense needs work. Uh, as so the one good highlight I will say, and we'll get into its standouts on defense, but Aiden Hutchinson immediately a tackle for loss, but then I, 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 maybe it's a credit to Aiden that he's immediately getting double teamed after that. But the story of the defense on the day was really nobody could set the edge. Yeah. And you were letting the, after the tackle for loss, especially from Marcus Mariota, Mariota ran all over the Detroit Lions. He had three carries for average 7.7 yards, obviously caps it off with a touchdown at the end there. And uh, he threw, he, he got to throw pretty well. He, he was moving a lot in the pocket and the Lions really didn't have much of an answer for him. And that, like, I look, that drive went on pretty long. It ate up the rest of the first quarter, but the defense was averaging uh, giving up over about eight yards, about a little more than eight yards of play. Not, not great, Bob. No, it it wasn't great. And I, I think part of it is frustrating. They had, you know, Atlanta converted two third downs, including a, a really early one that was just a, a draw up the middle. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I can hear all the Lions fans screaming, all the, the, the Kool-Aid drinkers screaming, well, they didn't game plan against a mobile quarterback. They don't have a mobile quarterback on their practice field, so none of these guys have practiced that sort but of thing. there's so many mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, Jeremy. That's right. You should that have is... to game plan against a mobile no. quarterback. It's something that you absolutely have to be prepared for, and certainly one that you're going to have to have in the back of your mind for week one when Jalen Hurts and a really good Eagles running game is in town. And so, like, a lot of this is, yes, it's, it's very concerning. A lot of it, I think is I'm not going to say it's by design, but I think a lot of it is 
the trade-off that you have for having a more aggressive front. When you have these guys that are knifing up the field, and and, and I pointed this out on on Twitter, like the Lions of, of Atlanta's 29 rushing attempts, seven of them went for zero or less. One out of every four was stopped at the line of scrimmage or earlier. So the Lions were doing a really good job there. The problem is everything else was yeah, a, there was an explosive play. Like they they bottled up or they they ran for 170 72 yards on the other 22 attempts, which is 7.8 yards per carry. Now I I get that a lot of that was quarterback scrambling, and and Arthur Smith even went on to say none of those were were planned. We didn't have any. Di- we didn't dial up any r- quarterback runs. Mariota, Mariota is just very good at ad libbing. Yeah, sure, but uh, Ritter's Ritter's not that. He's he's good, but he's not that good. And so, like I think, like you said right at the top, the main problem, at least with the quarterback stuff, is contained from your edges. You can't let those guys escape the pocket, and they did all game. Charles Harris was particularly bad at that, which was surprising to see because he's been so strong all camp. And uh, like, there is a little bit of legitimacy to like, yeah, they probably haven't practiced it. They probably haven't seen it that much, but guys like Charles Harris should know better. And so that's part of the, part of the problem. The other problem is the linebackers. And listen, like how many times did I say this offseason? Like I'm concerned about the defensive tackles. I'm concerned about the linebackers. I'm concerned that this team is going to let teams run all over them. And then what happens in the very first game of the preseason all of that the defensive tackles were not playing pretty well were, were not playing well at all they, they weren't playing well at all the linebackers were on and off we'll get to some of the individual performances there but in general linebacking court not up to snuff and you know they were just regularly belting out 15 20 yard runs in this game and including in that first drive i think it was just surprising to me that they just couldn't get the edge set like for for what they've invested in the in the edges right now and like I know, and again, we'll, we'll get into Aiden Hutchinson later. I think it's an honor to him that he's getting double teamed right out of the gate, but I think the Falcons immediately understood like the main threat to stopping our plays is Aiden Hutchinson. And as soon as he got bottled up, it's like, hey, we can just march down the field. And like, I, I think you're right. It it was frustrating to watch the third downs because I, I kept waiting for the bend don't break to come and the Lions kept breaking. Like yeah, well, you that- bent them and they immediately would break. That's And that's why I think this is why they're choosing to like, this is their method of going down with the ship is like, they know they aren't very talented on defense. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to create a bunch of negative plays by being really aggressive up front and hopefully get ourselves into some third downs. And then yeah, anything can happen on third down on this day, at least early on, they, they just can get off the field on third down. Yeah. I don't know what stat there's going to be for explosive plays, but if, if the lions in regular season looked like they did against the Falcons first team, lions are going to be probably a leader in giving up, explosive slash big plays like they'll they'll get a lot of plays yeah. where they get some negative yardage or zero yardage but then you know all it's going to take is a is one like they're going to get busted coverage pretty well or an edge isn't going to get set and suddenly there's going to be a big run well that, that's going to be that's going to be really frustrating to watch that's going to be the, incredibly frustrating to watch the one thing that we didn't learn from this game i don't think is is how the secondary is going to hold up because we and the starters only got well, one Harris drive left a and, little bit early too yeah but but how many times did Mariota throw in that game? Like twice? Twice. Yeah. He threw, so uh, he threw two times. Uh, got but <laughs> the two times he did throw, he picked up thirty six yards total, 18, sure. 18 each, a twenty four yarder and 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 an eight yarder, um, yeah, or twelve yarder. But but yeah, like that to me is still very much to be determined. Um, and very maybe small we'll get a better. Size. Maybe we'll get a better idea of that when when the Colts come to town next week, or we yeah. go to Colts, I guess. Well, I that really depends on how much they play Matt Ryan too. Sure. I don't, uh, who's their, who's their back? Who's their QB two? 
I don't know. I, I, should, I should know this because I'm the Colts hater here. Oh, Sam Ellinger and Jack Cohn. You, no one should have known that. Well, I do. You have to know thy <laughs> you, enemy. Well, here. you looked it up. Let's be clear. I did. I just Google. <laughs> Google is my uh, memory. Like, listen, I'm not. I have Google near me. I don't need to have a good memory. Um, we have to get into the topic that I really hate, though. We'll just blow through this one because it's silly. Oh my god. So I feel like I could put Lions Twitter into the meme with the guy sweating over the two buttons between it's preseason and the lions blew another game in a very lions way. Uh, and we should be panicking and like, look, David Blau fumbles. Okay, fine. Uh, that play given up, which, uh, who was, I, you told me who it Chris was. Boswell. Chris Boswell, there's, there's multiple Jersey numbers for like offense and defense. They're shared. So I kept, I keep getting messed up every time I look it up. Chris Boswell, gets completely turned around on the on the play that uh Ritter gets home to Jared Jared Bernard so like it was bad it was a bad sequence that allowed the Falcons to win the game and they weren't going to play for they they didn't want to play for the tie because there is no overtime in in uh in preseason and they went for it on fourth and nine from the 21 the Lions completely failed to stop it but Jeremy, come on, man. It's the third teams out there. Right. Ritter, Ritter's, they're still their QB2. He's the young guy that they're trying to, to feel out. But also, it's the third teams out there on a defense that already isn't very deep. Yeah, no. And they the Lions were very close to winning this game. Remember, they, they did come back in the fourth quarter to take the lead fairly late. Then they had a really good fourth four-minute drive going before a very fluky fumble happens with your third-string quarterback, who, in my opinion, is the second-string quarterback. But anyways, we'll get into that. Um yeah, and then and then you kind of give up a fluky fourth and nine where you you send an all out blitz, you contain the quarterback well, and then you just trust your guy to win his one on one, and it's Cedric Boswell, a guy who's not going to be on the team. So if you're getting upset over that, like you need to really figure out your priorities in life here because that's not a yeah, big deal. I... It's not a a sign an omen. It's just your third string cornerback, outside cornerback, didn't do what he was supposed to. You're you're quarterback had a fluky fumble big freaking deal let's move on yeah the no nobody really cares about the results in preseason except for john harbaugh and the people degenerate <laughs> enough to bet on preseason games. right like we we need to stop doing this like i knew i knew we 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 balanced i knew we balanced it pretty well because we started with way too much kool-aid but now we're balancing it a little bit here at the end of the game with way too much doomer talk right. so it yeah i guess balance yin and yang in all things detroit lions jeremy that's what we're here for. The silver and blue yin and yang symbol. <laughs> that's that's how we do it. Doom on one side, late on the other. Uh, before I think the last thing we want to do in this segment before we take a break here is uh, you mentioned the backup quarterback battle. If we're no, if we're going to talk about backup quarterbacks, we're going to need more time. We should kick it okay. to the next segment. Let, let's let's take a break then because you definitely want to have a fight with this. I'm enjoying the Tom the uh, the the, the uh, Tim Tim Boyle laser light show ex- experience, but uh, I I can tell you're not. So we'll get into that next. We'll talk about some more standouts from the offense, including a very big day for Tom Kennedy, who's quickly becoming the darling among fans in this current 90-man roster. And uh, hey, even even uh, Go Blue had a big touchdown, which made the color guy, uh, Devin Gardner, very excited to talk about him. So we will talk about all that next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Just running uh, two man today. No Ryan. He's uh, no rock god. He's off uh, in a fantasy football party, which made Jeremy so mad he threatened to fire him on the spot. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. That. We'll see if he's here for first bite. I'm if not, he's still, I'm not if so he's sure. still, if he's still the senior <laughs> editor of Pride of Detroit, do I get that role? Do I add that to my multimedia editor role or whatever? We'll see. I don't know. Mm. He'll, he'll, we'll see how good his begging on his hands and knees goes this week. Oh, wow. You like it like that, huh? Whoa, whoa. I didn't know you swung like that. Okay. You liked, uh, no. you liked to top? Nope. Okay. I'm only doing this because Ryan is in Twitch chat right now. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the offense. Let's go into some standouts on the offense. We start everywhere. So on one hand, I was as a fight on aficionado. I was panicked on the other side watching Drake London leaving the game early. Yeah, I uh, I felt a little bit of the dead Wojak inside, but that is uh, that is mellowed out by Amon Ra St. Brown. I don't know if anyone thought he was going to be a flash in the pan last year, but he picked up right where he left off, buddy. Kind of kind of unbelievable, um, to be honest. And and really, I mean, the, the only Lions wide out that, that made any plays with the first team offense. But I mean, if he's the one making plays, that's that's perfectly fine. And that that play action kind of rollout where golf floated one for him for, for 20 yards. It's just like, man, that's we're, that's like, okay, this offense is, is what it was last year towards the end of the season. Amon Ra is the kind of the weapon that, that he was towards the end of last year. And he also, I think picked up a, a third and something on that drive. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, or well, like, uh, I think it, I think confirms what we know is like still Jared Goff likes him. He is he is this yeah he is the security blanket. He knows that Amon Ra can do the work and that he can get the work done and yeah. bring home the bacon. So the trust is already there. That's and that's just it's a relief to see because I think I, and listen, his, his, he's not going to keep up the pace he did towards the end of last year. No, but we didn't see this, Shark in this play. We didn't see right. we didn't JMO <clears throat> still out. Like eventually, there's going to be competition, but this is just a pleasant reminder that he's still here and he's not going anywhere. He's still Sun God, baby. He, that's right. I'm really excited to see. I, I are we going to see him in in episode two of Heart Docs? Are we going to see the St. Brown family? You think it's got to happen at some point, right? I think so. I think I think because they they got to be doing deep dives on on players, and and he's one of the more interesting guys out there. Absolutely. Uh, now let's go to another darling, not with the first team offense, but I think the name that stole a lot of the attention on on Friday was Tom Kennedy, who. I think we've had in our bubble watches squarely on the outside, even though we've talked through camp about he's kind of the gutty, he's the gutty gritty guy that will do anything the uh, coaching staff wants of him and uh, really delivers. And obviously people think uh, make the joke that he's technically QB two because of how (laughs) he can throw the football, but um, he had himself a bit of a day with the second team offense. He had eight receptions, 104 yards and, uh, Along of 26, he blew up Jeremy, and that's with Tim Boyle and David Blau throwing to him. So I guess I got to ask you, as we look at the bubble watch, as we see who's all on it, is there any case, is there any realistic shot in any universe for Tom Kennedy to make this roster? I think the answer is yes. 
I do. And and listen, hope, this isn't this hope isn't, and 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 hope and and praise. <laughs> Here's the thing: I don't have him in yet. I don't. It's close, but it's 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 very close. And it's not just because of Friday night; it's because of the entire week that he had. Because you may remember at the beginning of the week, Trinity Benson and Quinta Cephas were both out. They didn't practice at all this week, and so Tom Kennedy was getting a lot of time with the twos, a lot of time as an outside receiver. That to me is really important because I think you look at Tom Kennedy and you're like, that's a pure slot. Why would lines keep a pure slot when you got Amon Ra, when you got Kali Freeman? There's, there's just no room for him. But he's starting to shine on the outside too. He played more snaps on the outside than the inside in this preseason game and showed he could make some outside catches. That catch he made on the final drive right before the fumble um, was great, like full extension, uh, converted a, a first down. It was huge. He showed he can do a lot of things. But the but. one thing he didn't show that he could do was play special teams because he played exactly zero special team snaps. And that's very curious to me because if he's going to make this team, he's going to have, like, listen, Trinity Benson is the guy who I have in over him. And it's not because Trinity Benson is a better receiver. I don't think that he is a better receiver. It's because Trinity Benson can perform on special teams. He made a tackle or two on special teams on Friday night. He can be a returner. He can do a lot of things. Tom Kennedy, I don't know if he can do any of that stuff. Like, we haven't really seen it. He, he's he been in the quarterback, though. Great. Great. <laughs> but, but here's all, like, we also have to pump the brakes here, too, and not draw too many conclusions from a preseason game, because a lot of times coaches will not play someone that they like maybe the coaches believe in Tom Kennedy's special teams they didn't need to see it mm-hmm. they wanted to see other players so they said Tom Kennedy you're just going to play offense today don't worry about special teams maybe we see him in, in game two play 20 special team snaps if that's the case he's right there in the mix but for I'm now be interested yeah I just I, until he can prove himself on special teams because if you're going to be wide receiver six on this roster the only thing you can do on game day is special teams and so Tom Kennedy needs to prove that to me before I, I consider him in the 53. We're not going to get video of it, obviously, but I feel like people got to keep an eye on what he's doing at joint practices coming sure. up as well. Like, yeah, I, I think I've talked about this before, but joint practices become in this three preseason game model. Very important, very important, especially because you can control the whistle. And I feel like if Tom Kennedy is going to be upwards for the roster, you got to keep an eye on what, what, you know, how they're going to use him moving forward. So yeah, preseason game two, joint practice. The, the coming week is going to tell us a lot about Tom Kennedy. What we, what I think the next week also needs to tell us a lot about is the tight end battle right now, sure. which is getting a little spicy. I still kind of have the same, the uh, same three. I'm still of the mind. It's going to be Brock Wright and, um, and Garrett Griffin. Although <clears throat> the, the praise for Shane Zilstra is still in, in, uh, interesting, but, and I've been doubtful of him, but hey, look, Devin Funch has caught a touchdown. Devin Funch has caught a touchdown. He was very versatile with the second team offense out there, uh, and it was a it was a hell of a touchdown he caught from t- from Tim Boyle too. Yeah, but uh, and with Devin Gardner in the house, it was a lot of uh, go blue happening immediately sure. on the broadcast. But how? I mean, and speaking of go blue, how how are you feeling, Mister Mister Michigan Man? on Devin Funches's chances now to make the, I feel like a lot of people want him to, and look, he's not just a converted wide receiver. He could probably do a lot more things. He kind of takes a role of like maybe a converted fullback in some cases, but I'm, 
I'm fascinated with what Funchess can do, but I just don't think there is right now a spot for him on the roster as much as the stock is going up. It, it's interesting because I think he's much further away from a roster spot than, than Tom Kennedy is, despite the fact that this tight, tight end room is worse than the wide receiver room. Like, I almost feel like Funches would have a better shot in the wide receiver room, despite the fact that it's more crowded there, because I just I don't see the other tight end stuff from him. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good receiver. He's proven that in the league. He 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 had a couple really good years. He had one very good year in the NFL as a receiver. But I don't, I don't know about the other stuff. Like, he, here's the thing that impressed me almost more than the touchdown, more than the uh, third down conversion that he had, more than the 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 hurdle he had of a of a Falcons defender. He looked a little, uh, actually, a lot more willing to be a blocker than than what I saw in previous weeks in, in training camp. He didn't like. He did not look like he wanted any part of being a true tight end to me in the first couple weeks of training camp. A little bit better, baby steps. He's still not there, and. If even if you look at him, like he's just a tall, lanky dude, you don't see the tight end in him, which is why I'm still kind of curious why they're even trying this. But if you're talking the tight end battle, I thought Brock Wright had an amazing game. Like I went back and watched that game, like wow, Brock Wright took huge steps as a blocker. He's in. We already know T.J. Hawkinson is in. James Mitchell, unfortunately, we didn't get to see. They 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 benched him on on this game because they're still kind of easing him back in from that ACL. I'm assuming he's probably in. So now you're already at three. And I kind of think, well, he, the, the thing that's complicating things for me is that Jason Cabinda is still on pup. We have no idea how injured he is. We don't even really know what his injury is. Mm-hmm. And so the Lions need a fullback. And they haven't been repping Brock right there. Devin Funches certainly can't do that. TG, they're never going to do that with TJ Hawkinson. And I don't think they're going to do it with James Mitchell either. So that's why I have Garrett Griffin in as tight end four slash fullback one right now, because they need someone to do that. And it's not a huge position of need, but Garrett Griffin is a guy who's a block first kind of guy and will absolutely fill that role and be serviceable. Well, it's, it's kind of like when you're looking at the wide receiver battle is who can play special teams. It's kind of the same deal with the tight end. Who Who can play the specialized hybridized super back role? Right in this in not, this offense and they, they want to have they want to have a super back style role which by the way isn't just something Cabinda talks about like we've talked about before right. like it's an actual thing that got used in northwestern like right. it's it's something i think that especially for this kind of offense they want to have someone who can kind of be the jack of all trades in the back in the back right so for me it's just i don't know where he fits in i don't know where he jumps any of those four tight ends because he's not better at what they do than than they are so I don't know. It, it was it was nice to see him succeed, and it's a good story because the guy's been essentially out of football for three years. That's something that we also have to keep in mind, right? Like, yeah, he had a yeah, severe he was a co- injury in 2019. Yeah. COVID was a 2020 COVID opt-out, and then he was banging around on practice squads in 2021, right. I believe. Right. So it's a good story to see him going out there and playing football well. And so maybe he can build on that in the next two weeks. The problem is there's just there's not a lot of time left. No, there is not. I feel like if we had four, if we still had four preseason games, maybe – Maybe his chances to make the roster are, are probably better, but they're yep. not right now. Yeah. Um. You want to get into some players that we were a little less than uh, approving of, though. Sure. So where where are we going? Where are we going first? Well, let me let me just rant about Matt Nelson <laughs> because listen, I think Matt Nelson. Boy, I hope the, the offensive. I hope the offensive line stays healthy this year. That, just overall, I know we're going to get into Matt yes. Nelson in general, but the whole the whole second team offensive line was not 
Uh, Matt Nelson, once the starters came out, whew. Matt Nelson was kind of a disaster. And I don't think Dan Skipper, who was mostly with him at left tackle while, while, uh, while Nelson was at right. Um, it was just, it was not good. There, there was penalties. There was pressures galore. There's a re I mean, we'll talk a little about the running backs in a second here, but the reason why every single running back that wasn't the starters has horrible stats is because that offensive line was just bad, 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 bad. Once the starters are out and it's kind of concerning, right? Because this is, this is what we said last year. It's like the depth on this offensive line is no good. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The line suffered two big injuries and they hold their head mm-hmm. above water. Sure. Like Evan Brown was, was a revelation and Evan Brown remains the best reserve offensive lineman, but there's nobody else that I trust right now. And Matt Nelson is, was the one guy where we're like, okay, he's at least a solid sixth guy. He's and, and maybe he's still going to be good in that role where they bring in a six offensive lineman. But if Decker or Sewell go out, the drop off is magnanimous. It's huge. There's no one even close to capable of stepping in on, on a, on a decent basis. And that includes Matt Nelson, who I think a lot of people were just like, Oh, that he's fine as a swing. Yeah, I didn't see much out of Nelson. I didn't see much out of Sk- uh, Skipper or Eze or l- really any of them. It's the the it's... one reserve offensive lineman that surprised me in this game, um, and it came it kind of came out of nowhere. Is, is Kevin Jarvis, um, an undrafted mm-hmm. rookie guard, um, played very very well in the fourth quarter. And we always have to put that context. Clarify, in. clarify. We're, we're hitting the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. when we get to the fourth quarter in preseason. But, but like he's a guy that he had stepped in for the first team every now and then early in camp. And it was kind of like, what are you doing there? And so it's like, okay, maybe there's something there. Jarvis is a guy that they gave a lot of uh, guaranteed money to, I think about a hundred thousand to on, on his UDFA contract. So he's a guy to at least pay attention to. I don't know if he can pull a spot from Tommy Kramer or, or whoever they decide to keep And there's a reason why I'm only keeping, keeping eight offensive linemen on my 53 right now is because there's just mm-hmm. not a lot of talent there. Um, but I think Kevin Jarvis is definitely going to make at least a practice squad and could be, Kind of a a sneaky dark horse fifty three guy. How do we feel about Godwin Igwebuke on how he played? Um, he didn't do kick return. He played very yeah. late in this game, even behind Jamar Jefferson when yeah. he came in. So I found that uh, interesting. I'm not totally surprised by it. I didn't think like, especially when you get this late in the roster, like guys just get switched up a lot. But he uh, even when he was on the field rushing, like again, part of that was the offensive line depth wasn't good, but nothing really doing on the ground. No kick returns for for him. I, I I gotta feel like right now Jermar Jefferson's above him. It's it's tough, right? Because it's another one of those situations, like I just said. Like, are they not putting Godwin Iguabuki on kick returns because they already know what they have in him, or are they doing it because they're not happy? You know, basically all of them, not not all of them, but almost all of them went to uh, Trinity Benson. And I don't think Trinity Benson did a very good job if I'm being completely honest. So it, it, it's almost a win in Iguabuke's case, where it's like, oh, your replacement didn't play better than than what we would expect out of you. But it, it is curious that he didn't take any. And it, I think we'll have to kind of wait and see whether that was a, we know what you got type of thing or a, mm-hmm. or, or a demotion. But but it definitely is important to, to note that he's repping behind Jamar Jefferson. And again, that could be like, hey, Jamar didn't get a lot of playing time last year. Let's get him some reps. Let's see if he can prove something with him. And I don't think Jamar really proved much of anything either. I think really the only reserve running back who did anything that was noteworthy was Craig Reynolds. And I think he remains firmly, firmly RB3. Like, I don't think it's a competition. I think he is the pr- primary reserve for the running backs. 
But I think Godwin versus Jamar is very much a camp battle now. Like that is something that it's it's maybe more neck and neck than I thought. I thought Godwin was was well ahead of Jamar. Now I think it's kind of neck and neck, and I think maybe the next two preseason games are going to decide it. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't have really anything else to add. Um, there's nothing else from the offense I've really picked out. So like again, I think, I think we covered yeah. it. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. I think the defense, we're going to spend a little more more time on the defense. I want to talk about um, one person who I think. <laughs> wait, got some, wait, wait, what, wait. What's up? We what didn't talk backup quarterbacks. Oh, God damn it. Wow. Okay. Uh, we got we got some time here. Yes. Uh, so, uh, man, we we, 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 we almost, we almost skipped out a preseason game where the only thing you're you supposed would have to liked talk about that. is a backup. You would have liked that if we just ignored no. it. Why'd you, no. why'd you, why'd you do this? We got to do it. Okay. So, I am still on board the Tim Boyle laser light show. I understand it was an adventure every time, <laughs> but I do have to admit Blau does look like he's got the offense a little bit further down pat at this point. And I think it's just all a matter of what do you want? If you are carrying two quarterbacks, what do you want? Cause it's, it's not settled. Like certain teams do carry developmental guys who may one day turn out to be a diamond in the rough. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Or you carry a guy where it's like, look, we just don't, think there's much here but hey let's hold on to him because he at least won't screw it up and Blau did have the fumble at the end of the game which if we're going to give if we're going to give some guff to Boyle's interception Blau did fumble the football but I I don't know where where are you because I feel like Blau did pull a little bit of head of Boyle I listen uh, if you erase that fumble, and again, I know you can't really do that. It happened. Well, can I erase the interception from Boyle then? It You can, and it still won't change my mind. Because okay. to me, Blau looked like he was in command. He was, listen, I, Lions fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I thought Blau was everything you want in a backup quarterback last, or on Friday night. Like, he had command of the offense. He made a couple plays. He had the offensive moving basically every drive. Like, they were moving the ball. They didn't get in the end zone under him, and I think that's worth <laughs> pointing out. But... To me, his, the, maybe the most impressive part about him was the way he navigated the pocket. We're, we're talking. We, I just got done talking about how not good the reserve offensive line was, so they weren't doing him a ton of favors. Yet he was just his footwork was really, really good. His accuracy was better than usual from him, and so I just thought he looked like, hey, if if the lines are in a desperate situation. Maybe he doesn't lose the game for him. Of course, then he went and lost the game for them. So well, that's that's the that ultimate sucked. counter to your, to your argument right. here. Yeah. But with Boyle, it's just I don't trust him. I don't trust him further than I can throw him because every single ball that comes out of his hands either is going to be a 45 yard dime to Kali Freeman that could have been on a the money, like could have been a 70 yard yeah. touchdown pass. The next one is is 10 feet behind his receiver. And he is not as good in the pocket as, as David Blouse. He is running a little bit like his chicken chicken with his head cut off. So I don't know. To me, it was it was night and day between those two's performance. I I and I've been in Blouse corner for, for most of this camp because I just I don't I don't trust Boyle. He's just too inconsistent. He's I he's he's riding the tiger, and I I'm not willing to do that with a backup quarterback. You want your backup quarterback to be trustworthy, a guy who's not yeah. going to turn over the ball. And and again, I know I know that's what it Blau eventually did, but I feel like that was a little more. No, that was that was a little more freak. Fumbles are a yeah. little more freak than interceptions, and the interception Boyle did throw was bad. Like yes. you 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 saw that defender draped over. Um, who, I I completely forgot who was like. I think it was to no, it was to uh Pimpleton. I I'm gonna yeah, it was it was to Pimpleton, and he saw 
he saw Alfred draped over him the entire time. And he still threw it that way too. That was very, it was very ill-advised. He was very ill-advised and like, look, Blau's average and Boyle's average per, per, you know, reception for, for pass, like Blau averaged five Boyle averaged 6.9. Nice. Uh, it's a little bit more for Boyle, but not enough where I'm going to be like writing home about it. No. That's for sure. Especially in a backup battle. And I think, I think we know that Blau got a lot more chances to throw and he seemed to do, he, he pulls ahead and passer rating and everything. Like he did better out there. He just like objectively did better out there overall in, in passer in passing than than Boyle did. The the interesting thing is I have to imagine Blau will get the the number two start the start I guess behind. Uh, yeah, they'll they'll go back next, and forth. Yeah, right. And so we'll see how he does against better competition and also better receivers. That's true. Yep. All right. We got the we got the backup quarterbacks in. We almost f- forgot about it. I think I think that was just our brains trying to escape the Blau versus Boyle talk, but we did it. Mandated stuff. Let's Gold talk star. about the defense next as we close up shop on the final 20 minutes coming up here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, do we have any reviews, Jeremy? Should we read some or should we just get right into the defense? There's too much to talk about this week. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pass on the, inter- the Fair reviews enough. for another week. The, the reviews got bumped in favor of the quarter of the backup quarterback talk that we thought we were <laughs> going right. to uh, avoid somehow. Um, let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Aiden Hutchinson, who yeah. is already turning some heads and had a monstrous tackle for loss on um second play it? on the second play i'm trying to remember the name of the it was one that it was williams but there's like two williams for the for the falcons i whatever i don't care they were the falcons <laughs> uh anyway he, he blew them up that's that's what matters that's what matters yeah. jeremy yeah i mean it's crazy we've gotten this long into the podcast without talking about the uh the second overall pick but yeah he nudges in Pretty pretty exciting debut. Didn't get a sack, but I think that tackle for loss where he just completely olays the left tackle well, was I, very exciting. It wasn't a good day for the defense, but I thought Hutchinson had that play. And then, like, I, I think we've seen what we know of Hutchinson right now is he's aggressive and raw with his aggression. Sure. We've heard tales from camp where he's being, he bites on certain plays that he doesn't need to bite on. That's going to keep going. But I think after that tackle for loss, the thing the Falcons really did was I noticed he started getting double teamed a bit. He did. They 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 noticed that he was the force off the edge and they bottled him up. And guess what happened? The uh, Falcons started to run off the edge quite a bit with Hutchinson bottled up. Well, so. but he he also drew a holding penalty while double teamed. Yes. And his his very first play, I know he didn't contain the edge on the very very first play. Well, I mean, and, it's and a let Mario get double teamed. Well, that, not on the first play. The first play was just him. He crashed down and and gave up the edge to to Mariota. But at the same time, he chased him down. <laughs> and late, like how many football players can say they got a quarterback hit on his on their first NFL play? Like he, it wasn't a, a ginormous hit, but he laid a good shoulder into Mariota as he was knocking out of bounds. So. I, I, I'm guessing he felt pretty good about that and felt great about following that up with that tackle for loss and then draw holding a play later. Like 
those are three pretty good plays out of what 12 that he had and he wasn't dominated by any like even on some of those double teams like he was fighting through them so i think you have to be pretty much only happy maybe even ecstatic with with how his career has started so far he was he was the highlight of a bad day for the first defense definitely absolutely um malcolm rodriguez was in this game and he he started this game he started I talk listen, about what like he 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 did everything asked of him, man. Like it's 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 fascinating to watch that. So yeah, so they decide to to bench Alex Anzalone, and you have to imagine that's just a hey, we know exactly who we are, Alex Anzalone. We don't need to see anything out of you. Let's see what Malcolm Rodriguez and uh and Derek Barnes. So your two youngest linebackers, your two potential maybe your two starters of the future. You throw them out there and see what happens. And I thought it was a very different story for both because Honestly, like, I thought Malcolm played pretty good. It wasn't perfect by any means, but you can really see why he fits what they're trying to do here, which is just instinctively run downfield and create violence. And that's what Malcolm Rodriguez does. There's no hesitation. He's generally hitting his same gaps. He actually talked to to our Eric Schlitt after the game and said he didn't make, he was told he didn't make a single mental error. He didn't, like, missed assignment. Like, he hit all of his assignments. He ran with aggression. He comes down on the opening kickoff or the opening kick coverage, I should say, lays a big hit on that. And then I like, I don't, I didn't see any egregious errors by him and he was being violent. He was being good. Derek Barnes, on the other hand, I'm not sure. Oof. Yeah. He had, no. he, he had a big tackle for loss. But you you need Barnes on the run defense, and the run defense was not good. Like we been talking about Mariota running on this team that entire that entire uh, first part, and just not 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 what not what I even Desmond Ritter's running was running out there. Like I don't Barnes yeah. just I don't he doesn't look like he has the instincts needed right now. And again, it's always important to point out that he's still relatively new to the position. But at some point, that excuse has to run out. This is this is his third year in a row as an off-ball linebacker. I need to see a little bit more out of him. I need to see a little more reliability out of him. There's there's that clip of him jumping in in the wrong gap when when faced with a blocker, which opens up a huge hole for like a 15-20 yard gain. He's got all of the same like physical traits of of Malcolm Rodriguez and he's and he's bigger, so he can he can absorb blocks, but he doesn't have the mental instincts that I see in Malcolm Rodriguez. And that's the part that concerns me because that's the part that's the least, the least changeable. It's changeable. And like when you're a young player, of course, that's going to be the part that that comes typically last, but instincts are instincts, man. Those are hard, hard to implant. And so I'm concerned about him. And I, I I don't know if it gets better. I don't know. I I just, I haven't seen the year two jump that I was hoping to out of him yet. And that, that includes in in training camp. No, it's just kind of more woes as always for the linebackers, especially when it comes to Barnes. Like it's, if he doesn't make the year two jump, it's going to be, it's going to be brutal. Again, it's going to be even more elements invested into the linebacker core and nothing has worked. But, Um, but listen, like I'm getting to the point in the Malcolm Rodriguez hype where I'm not entirely sure that he's not going to be out there in some defensive capacity week one. I think look this 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 team has shown they've got room for guys if you come and ball out they'll they'll be ready to throw you in there. Not and afraid to play the young players. Got the stonk up. 
Uh, I did want to talk about one particular player who I saw getting immediately killed for one particular uh, call on him, which I don't think was fair to him for two different reasons. But um, Jared Davis, he's brought he brought he's brought a lot of pressure. I thought he did. He's he had a tackle for loss. Um, not the greatest day, and we can get into that in a second. But I wanted to really talk because I, I saw people just burying him for the roughing roughing the passer call. That's stupid. That that, that was, that was, was a, bad a call. lot of people coming out here and being like, oh, that's the that's the Jared Davis we know just screwing the Lions over. It's like, OK, <laughs> A, he got pushed into he got pushed into Ritter. B, also, I mean, even if he got pushed into Ritter, that was a that that's the kind of play that makes former defensive players rip their damn hair out. That should not have been even if he wasn't being pushed into him, that was so bang, bang. It shouldn't have been roughing the passer. How the hell are you supposed to stop your momentum that quickly from hitting a quarterback? as soon as he throws the ball like like i don't it's again it's the kind of thing that like i don't used to listen to the defensive guys when it was about oh you know nobody can play defense no more plays like that make me question that and then yes also he got pushed into him it wasn't even jared davis being uncontrollable back there no but he he i mean it was it was it was a very jared davis day because it was like Oh wow like he's flashing as a pass rusher like they sent him on a blitz up the a gap a lot of times and he got there three times. He had three hurries, according to PFF, and it, it, a pass rush grade of 77.9, which is one of the highest yeah. on the entire team, maybe the highest on the team. It was the highest on the team um, in terms of pass rush grade. But again, like it feels like he's still kind of running on. He's a train running off the tracks at times because there's there's another play where he's just like he knifes into the backfield on a run and runs comp- like just runs right by the ball carrier. Completely mm-hmm. by him, just and it's it's almost not an awareness thing. It's just like he he he's running so fast fast he can't control where he goes, and some of it is instincts too. I I still think like that that between the ear stuff is not quite there for him. But at the same time, like he also got a pass breakup. Like he also looked better in coverage than I remember ever looking in coverage. So there there were there were flashes to his game where I'm like, maybe this coaching team. team coaching staff can figure something out and figure out a way to use him, but it's impossible to ignore some of the other like Jared Davis stuff that is there and has always been there. Yeah. And I'm not excusing the rest of his bad play. I just think that like that one play, I saw people just going after him hard. And it's like, there there were plenty of other things to complain about Jared Davis's play other than the, the and before we move into the DBs, like we, I Charles Harris, like again, as we said, the lions could not set the edge at all. (laughs) And like, look, when Aiden Hutchins is getting double team, kind of call falls to the other, to the other, yeah. to the other end. And Charles Harris wasn't able to do that. He played in an undisciplined way that I've never seen him play. And that makes me think maybe he's just knocking off rust. So I'm not that concerned about it because again, like he's been really, really good in camp. I just think maybe, maybe, maybe the argument holds a little bit of water that the Lions just did not prepare for this at all. They did not prepare for bootlegs. They did not prepare for, for mobile quarterbacks, but um, it's something that they'll need to fix. I'm, I'm honestly a lot more concerned about the interior because I don't know. I don't know who stood out. Like Aleem McNeil wasn't that good in this game. Michael Brockers didn't do a thing. No, it's I know funny. They both got, had... We've got a part in our, on our rundown that just says, here's, here's where we get into the bad of the defense. And yet from the start, except for Aiden Hutchinson, everything we've talked about has been mo- and Malcolm Rodriguez. Most of what we talked about has been pretty bad. Yeah. And I mean, like uh, some guys that, that we've talked up in, in, in camp a couple times 
Um, like like, like Jason Cornell didn't do a thing today. Bruce Hector is a guy even, who, who even showed up in, in previous training ca- or previous uh, preseason games. Bruce Hector didn't really do anything. I mean, even the guys we've kind of known for a while too, like AJ Parker was not good on run defense in this game at all. He could not, he lost his contain. I mean, that's, that's getting into the secondary. If, and we can move to the secondary. Oh, oh no, no, too. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought you were just going general. My bad. Like, well, yeah, I'll, no. I'll put a pin on the Parker talk. Oh. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I, like I said, in the off season, like I, I've been concerned about the interior defensive line for a really long time. It doesn't help that Josh Pascal, who who's probably going to slide inside a lot, is not there. It doesn't help that Levi's not out there. But I like you need to have depth there, and I don't know who that guy is going to be. Like I'm looking at this roster, and you know Eric and I put out our 53. We put Isaiah Bugs out there as a backup to Lee McNeil, and we don't feel great about it. But amongst everyone else, like Jayshon didn't do any like I, I don't I don't need to go through them again. There's there's just no one that's standing out. And so a guy like Isaiah Bugs, who has a very specialized role as a nose tackle that can back up a Lee McNeil, he fits on this roster right now because they don't have anyone that can out, out unseat him, even though I don't think he's that good. Yeah. Um any notes at all about I, I didn't really see too much of James Houston in this game. I was kind of curious if that train has any legs left to it he did not play particularly well he didn't flash in this game which is definitely one of the bigger disappointments i think of of the defensive roster just because he's a guy that i was excited to see in the second half going against you know second and third string guys i was hoping he would flash played about a dozen snaps maybe a little bit more and just didn't i don't think he had a pressure which is a disappointment now we can move to the to the uh dbs if you'd like yeah i mean we can start right there with aj parker because i'm right there with you like yeah he did not play well at all um and it's concern right it's, it's another one of those like questions that we had going into like can aj parker build upon a surprising but just kind of okay rookie season or are they going to rely on, on on mike hughes a more veteran or is a guy like uh why can't i think his name the the rookie who almost had the pick chase lucas i, I chase i'm lucas. battling a cold right why now, so. why didn't chase luke i mean is chase Chase Lucas in the mix. Um, I don't know, but to me, like AJ Parker has had a grasp on this nickel job that he hasn't relented all camp and coaches continue to, to, to talk up, but I don't, I don't know if I see it. And I don't like, I'm not saying he's in danger of losing his job and being off the roster completely. But when I see six or seven snaps from Chase, Chase Lucas, and he nearly has a game ending pick, and he has a really good open field tackle on, on a short play. Like suddenly I'm like, give that guy more playing time. I want to see if he could legitimately challenge for the starting job because I'm not, I know, I know he's a seventh round pick, but listen, this is a team that started an undrafted guy last year at that position. And I don't think they would hesitate to do it again. If chase won it. Yeah. It's just, it's across the board. Just not, not a great day. I don't have too much else to add on defense notes. To be honest, we saw what I feel like is going to be the story for the season, which is like, hey, the offense is going to have some nice flashes, but the defense is just going to remain kind of the bug, the bugbear that's going to uh, just sink a lot of games. And I think top to bottom, there's just aside from unless you can just shock someone with the massive amount of aggression that you can show up front with guys like Davis and Hutchinson that, you know, any kind of finesse might is just going to be lost on the team. You, there's there's two reasons for optimism. One is that they were just missing a lot of guys in this game, right? They, yes. they were missing Levi. They were missing Julian O'Quar. They're missing Romeo O'Quar. They didn't play Alex Anzalone. Um, you, 
and and that carries some weight, but it doesn't really fix my concerns about the interior of the of the defense. The other is that we just we still don't really know about the secondary. We still don't know they, they barely passed the ball in this game. Um, they, <laughs> are you okay? I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just I, like I don't know. Like I think we wanted to figure out a lot about Jeff Okuda. We wanted to figure out a lot about Will Harris, and they Mariota threw the ball twice. Um, and and even Ritter didn't throw the ball downfield much at all either. So that remains kind of a question. Um. That, that remains unanswered. And I mean, if the team is going to be able to run the ball, like, like Atlanta did, maybe, maybe teams won't have to test this defense deep, but at some point they are. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how that defense, especially the defensive backs uh, rebound there. Let's look forward to next week. We are having the uh, joint practices and then eventually the preseason two game against the Colts. So how are we feeling? Like, what are you, what what do you want to see most as we kind of like round this corner and and head towards Saturday? Well, I think part of it is is just that it's like I want to see what the secondary looks like. I'm I'm hoping that that Matt Ryan or whoever they they tried out there for the preseason game test this defense a little bit deep. Um, because we like Jeff Okuda got targeted once in that game and and basically didn't have to do anything the rest of the way. Um. And then I guess on offense, it's just more of the same, like prove that this continues to be real. I think the the Colts are much better competition, right? They're better. They're better defense. They're better offense. So let's see how they step up against a better competition. Can Jared Goff continue to play well? Can maybe we get DJ Chark involved? Can we get the deep ball involved to, to satisfy one columnist in the, in the city? Um, I don't know. Like I, I guess it's just kind of more the same and just I, I I want them to figure something out with maybe, you know, if, if Matt Ryan is the guy that plays, we're not going to have to worry so much about the, the, the scrambling, right. And the, and the, and the quarterback rushes. So maybe just a more standard running game and, and a, and a good one, right? Like this is a Colts with a really good running game. Can the line Probably stand one up? Of the, one of the better running backs in this league with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Right. And, and Quentin Nelson's a pretty damn good interior offensive lineman. So how will the lions step up? Because you know, they're, they're probably getting screamed at over the last couple of days about how they defended the run in this game. How can they rebound there? I think is going to be a, a mm-hmm. really interesting storyline to follow. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see if the uh, offense can keep things going too, that it's not just, you know, one series against, uh, Falcons, right? There's, there's a lot, there's like, and again, like, I feel like we're going to have to, I'm going to say it again. Like we're going to have to keep an eye on a lot of the stuff uh, in the joint practices. And I know people usually only care about joint practices in case there's a fight that breaks out in them, but I feel like we'll get some good development from the joint practices. It'd be something very, very interesting to get notes on. So yeah, and I, I, the the only thing I would would add is I I just want to see more of some of the guys that we didn't see a lot of. I'd like to see more James Houston. I'd like to see more Chase Lucas. I'd like to hopefully see, um, uh, tight end. Gosh, my, I'm losing my mind. James Mitchell, um, who didn't play in that game. I, just more of these guys that that are either fringe or injured a little bit, or I don't know. Like I I, I guess rookies. I love seeing rookies in these opportunities because this is a team that is going to be relying on their young players. So um, let's, let's get more of their rookie class out there. I think we'll put a pin on that for now. Uh, we'll be back with the after show for hard knocks on Tuesday, live on twitch.tv slash pride Detroit podcast. Hit your feeds on Wednesday, uh, potential first bite this week, Jeremy. 
Yeah, and... I might, and I, I might, we might switch it up a little bit since I will be in Indy on Wednesday and Thursday. So um, maybe, maybe do a first bite from that and talk a little bit more about the, the uh, joint practices and what I saw. So keep an eye out. Absolutely. All right. But for now, POD cast is in the books. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope we'll have, see you for the rest of the season. For myself, for Jeremy, for Ryan, who's off uh, doing debaucherous things at a fantasy football party. We will see you star side. <laughs>